Welcome to 501 Crossroads, your show all about nonprofits and the people that make the mission happen. I'm Marjorie Moore, President and CEO of Mind's Eye, and my personal mission is to make nonprofits stronger by identifying and fixing the rubs that so often come up between people and the mission. My fabulous co-host, the nonprofit ninja, Natalie Jablonski, is here. That's right. Specializing in helping nonprofits maximize their time, talent, and resources to achieve organizational greatness. Hey, Marjorie. Hey, Natalie. How you doing? I am doing wonderful. What are we talking about today? Well, you know, we've got a really broad listener base on the show, which includes a mix of nonprofit staff, executive leadership, volunteers, board members, and we love hearing feedback from everybody. Absolutely. So when one of our listeners, a board member of a nonprofit, asked us a few questions about how to help their board lead them in the right direction and finding a new executive director, Mm, we thought it would be a really good time to have a guest on the show to help us all understand uh, the executive director search process. Um, And in the studio today, we have our guest, Dan Seiss, academic uh, coordinator and community engagement manager for the nonprofit management and leadership program at the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Dan, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. Hey, Dan, we're so glad you're here. I am so excited to learn more about this because I have to admit, when it comes to executive search, I know what it's like from them searching for me, but uh, I'm not so sure as to what happens on the other side of it. I haven't been on that side of the journey, so I'm hoping we'll get a chance to explore a little bit of that. But I expect maybe. there's cloaks and mirrors and daggers and yes. things like that. <laughs> yeah. A big mystery maybe, box, right? Maybe let's dispel that myth. <gasps> a magic eight right. ball, perhaps. We do Ooh. like those on this show. So, uh, but you know, I, what I know a lot about is from the perspective of the executive director's point of view. So could, maybe starting there might be easier for me to dive into this. I'm, not, that, not that it's all about me, but... Yeah, it is really. It's all about me. So what should we know for our listeners who are beginning the search as an executive director? What are some advice that maybe we should be giving them for where do they start? Where should they begin their search? And so you mean folks that are looking to move into that executive director position. Right. Is that right? Right. Yeah. You know, um, I think one thing is hopefully they're at a point in their careers already, obviously, where they're ready to make that move into the executive director position. Maybe they've been a director of development or fundraising. Maybe they've been an operations manager or something along those lines. Or it could be that it's a brand new small nonprofit and this executive director is the first hire for the organization as well. Mm, That's obviously a a way people can move into that position. But even then, they've probably had some experience um, in the nonprofit world already. So what they should be doing is cultivating their networks first and foremost. If they're working in the nonprofit world, they've probably already been exposed to board members. They've been exposed to staff at their organization and other organizations. These are all people who, in this small world of ours, know other people, know, know organizations that are looking for openings. And really just mining that network and um, letting people know you feel like you could make this move, you've got the right skills for it, you're looking for a new opportunity, whatever the case may be, is really a great place to start. Um, beyond that, there's a couple of uh, regional sources of information online and otherwise that people tend to check for um, these types of openings. The one I direct everybody to all the time is uh, called the Rome Group. They have a, a really well-known job listing and job opening uh, part of their website online. It seems to be sort of a go-to place for a lot of organizations to post um not just executive director positions, but other positions as well. Um, and then there's obviously other places you can look in the paper and the, in the uh, uh, help wanted sections and job sections and things like that too. 
Yeah, we've had a great success with the Rome Group. In fact, our listeners know, and if they haven't heard this episode, make sure you go back. We've had Ellen from the Rome Group on the show before talking about some uh, feasibility study information. So yep. if you'd like to learn more about the Rome Group, that'd be a great episode for our listeners to sure, pick up. Absolutely. Uh, I hear a lot, and Marjorie, you and I have actually talked about this on the show, about people who are in the for-profit industry who would like to transfer to the nonprofit world, yeah, looking at executive positions. They think it's going to be easy. Yeah, they do. <laughs> so I would always say the first advice is it's not as easy as you think. Right. Uh, and then the second advice would be to follow the steps that you had mentioned and maybe even seek out and talk to a few executive directors who are active in nonprofits, uh, get a little bit of advice on some of their role and responsibilities. So if they do, when they do get that interview, they feel a little more comfortable with the lingo. Cause I think that's the biggest gap. Don't you, Marjorie? Absolutely. Well, I mean, we even call our financial statements different things, right? You know, than they call that's them the for profit. So I mean, it's you're trying to get that kind of stuff down and learn those kind of things before you go into your interview, I suppose is probably a really good idea. Yeah, somebody- Coming stuff's a big difference. Really, the fundraising is such mm. a big transition for people coming from the for-profit world to the to the nonprofit world. Rather than being based on sales of one kind or another, having to do that fundraising and development can be something that's a little bit challenging. And I think that some people in the for-profit world think about philanthropy or fund development, however the words are that they use. But what they really think of is special events and mm-hmm. raffles and exciting out there where we're selling tickets and we're interacting with the community. But we have to remember in the nonprofit world, yes, we do have special events for both friend raising and fundraising purposes, right. yep. but really it's all about major gifts. Mm-hmm. It's all about being able to make those connections and make that work for your organization. And if it, you haven't been in the situation where you've been in sales or some marketing, direct marketing, business to business, something along those lines, you're, you're going to have a big challenge uh, trying to sell yourself to a board of directors. And that's a good job for an executive director to know. It can't go just to the fundraiser. That's, yeah, that's for sure. True. And you can't just say, oh, hopefully they'll have a fund development director that knows yeah. what they're doing. Because, uh, <laughs> they probably really, don't. The donor wants to talk to the person who's at the top. Mm-hmm. And Very that's often, you. Yeah. So Very you need to be able to know what that looks like. Mm-hmm. What about uh, from the internal standpoint? So if it's uh, an executive director already, and I'm thinking I at a small shop, I'm going to go to a big shop or I'm at a big shop and I want to go to a different shop. What about succession planning? Because I feel like that's a, a point of failure mm-hmm. for a lot of nonprofits. Any advice on where to even begin on succession planning for an executive director position? So every board should anticipate, obviously, their executive director is going to leave at some point. We all know how much turnover there is in this industry, and people mm-hmm. look for different opportunities geographically, financially, whatever the case may be. Every board should have, if not a actual plan in place for succession planning, at least be thinking about it, right? Like, what would we do if our executive director left? How would we even proceed? Even if it's as general as, well, we'll find someone to be an interim executive director and let them sit in place while we put together a plan for finding the next permanent position and person. That alone would be a good uh, way to approach the situation. But so many nonprofits are living so hand to mouth, so to speak, and Mm. They're just concerned with getting through the next week, the next month, you know, all of that. I get it that they don't think long term along these lines, but, you know, ideally this class we're having is something where they can come and put together at least the the beginning of a plan, the outline of a plan, understand some of the pitfalls and hurdles and, and prepare accordingly. So three things, maybe uh, two or three things that they're going to put a written plan together they need to make sure is in there. Just a little teaser, maybe. So 
probably first interim executive director. Who's that person going to be? Once someone's out the door, if you don't have the next candidate in office, let's say your executive director gives you two weeks notice, you're not going to find that next or, person. Or you help that executive director out the door, right? Or for some reason door, right? you've come to a decision where you need to part ways, absolutely, Quickly, right? Yeah. You know, very rarely do you get the six-month lead time from a long-term executive director that they're going to be, maybe if they're retiring, but if they're going to move on to another job, we all know that's not going to happen. Right. So. Have an interim idea in place. Is it someone on staff that you promote to be interim? You know, that has its own challenges and uh, benefits and challenges, you know, or is it going to be someone outside? There's consultants that will step in and be an interim executive director. Sometimes um, there's board members maybe have some skills that can step in and be an exec, uh, interim executive director. But that's that's number one. That's mm -hmm. the first thing I've noticed. How do you think you're going to approach that if it comes up? Secondly, what's the search going to look like for the new executive director? Is it something you're just going to put a ad in the paper? You're going to just put together a job description and throw it on some websites? Are you going to bring in a consultant, somebody who can help you actually uh, uh, prospect and recruit uh, potential candidates for the position? Have that in mind, too. What, what financial resources do you realistically have to help find that next executive director? Um, and I would think time resources as well. If you're going time. to outsource all that to a consultant yep. and that cost, or is this something you're, if, if you can't afford it, be prepared for the time Absolutely. Of, of doing that yourself as a board. Absolutely. And that sort of lead, is a great lead to my third point would be who's going to actually run the process of screening candidates Excellent. and interviewing people. Is it one board member? Is it a committee of the board? Are you going to have it be the executive committee? Will you create a personnel committee for this particular opening? Who's, somebody's got to own it and you need to figure out who's going to own this process. Excellent points. I love that. I think that gives uh, some of our board members who are listeners uh, a good place to start and even the conversation if it hasn't already started. Well, and I think that that's actually a really good point is that conversation about succession planning. I think, you know, even though we all know that someday we're all going to leave um, and the board knows that and the board knows that they're going to leave sometime, it feels like this dance sometime of, well, are we pushing you out right now? I'm not trying right. to push you out. I'm trying to be prepared and how, what's a good way for a board to start talking about that with their executive director? Hopefully the executive director and the board both realize they both care about the organization and they want the organization to be successful. That's the goal for all of us. I think if you approach it that way and say, don't take this the wrong way, you know, I'm not trying to get you to leave, but what are you thinking? Where are you at in your career? Maybe, maybe as part of that annual board evaluation of the executive director, hopefully there's some at least discussion along these lines. So a, you can feel out the person and get a sense where they're at. And then if they're saying anything along the lines of, you know, uh, they've got a plan short term or relatively near term, that's a little bit different than the organization and the board in terms of they might be looking or they might be leaving or they might be thinking about retiring, whatever it is. Then start to have that discussion about, okay, what, what does this look like? How can we be part of this process together? You know, understanding we're not trying to get you to leave. We're not trying to say, um, by any means you're not valued, but rather, you know, things about the position that we need to know. Mm -hmm. We have what our expectations. Let's work together to develop a good job description process, you know, by which we can find that next person that's going to help this organization and mission be successful. Yeah. I always like to think that if, uh, if I hit the lottery tomorrow, <laughs> and I decide, wow, I think that I'd love to live in Barbados instead Absolutely, of being here. Yeah. You're going to take me with you. Well, of course, right. I don't go to ninja training without you ever. <laughs> um, but, you know, what does that look like? And I've actually had board members say that before. Would, well, remember, if you hit the lottery, we got to make sure we have a plan in place for that, regardless <laughs> right. of what that plan looks like. So mm -hmm. succession planning shouldn't be any different from that. Absolutely. Yeah. So other ideas then from uh, since we've kind of approached that mm -hmm. from the 
the board lens. So for our board members who are listening and uh, before they begin their search, because that's very different, Mm -hmm. uh, what are some things that they should know or be prepared to be prepared for? You know, the financial issues of the hiring are obviously something you should be thinking about right away early on. What can you afford? Who can you afford? What will the market bear? And this can be a time, too, for the organization to evaluate not just who that next executive director should be, but where's the organization going to go from here? What type of a candidate are we looking for? And and accordingly, can we then afford that person as well? Are we going to try and just have someone local, you know, part of that local merry-go-round I'm sure you guys are familiar with for people Mm -hmm. going from one organization to the other? Are we going to recruit from outside the region? And if so, what's that going to look like financially? Um, But that financial plan, both in terms of what you're going to be maybe willing to pay somebody or what the organization's budget can realistically bear. And then any financial resources you have to spend on the search, something as simple as the cost to put on a website is one thing. And then there's maybe the cost at the other end of the spectrum of bringing in some sort of consultant or independent contractor to help you uh, actually run that search and, and screen candidates and gather candidates, something like that. And what are the benefits between like kind of just going it out and just, you know, throwing something on the room group and saying, fingers crossed, hope yep. it works uh, versus <laughs> getting one of these firms that, you know, will actually go out, recruit candidates for you. And uh, I don't know, I guess probably do your behind the scenes stuff too. Right, what, right. Are, what are the, why would I go with one over the other? You know, again, cost is major. So mm-hmm. putting something on the, on the Rome group website or in the newspaper or just on your own organization website, obviously very low cost. Uh, depending on how much exposure you get to your website or otherwise, you know, um, a good way to reach at least a significant number of potential candidates. And then the Rome group is going to get a traction. Maybe if you put it in the paper, it's going to get some traction. But those are all still relatively low cost things to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, the flip side is it's going to mean a lot of time for somebody on the board or staff or otherwise to be sorting through cover letters, resumes, checking things along those lines, prioritizing uh, candidates, qualities of candidates, things along those lines. Flip side, you go with the consultant. Obviously, there's a little bit more cost associated with that. But so many of these folks are so experienced, they know um, who uh, maybe they should be weeding out early in the process. They can make your life a lot simpler in terms of uh, uh, sort of uh, agonizing between one of 50 resumes you get or, or a couple of 50 resumes you get. Um, they're going to know f- some of the red flags on these resumes. They're going to look for some of the, they're going to know some of the things about um, the industry because they are so experienced that maybe you, if you're a relatively new board member, for example, you might not know, or if you've only ever dealt with um, a certain number of, of issues or, or programs or things like that for one particular type of nonprofit, maybe you don't know what you should be looking for on the broader uh, market for people who are executive directors. So those are really the two big flip sides. It's going to be getting some experience at a little bit higher cost versus trying to run this process on your own, which I get it. Many organizations, realistically, that's just what they have to do. Uh, but they might, you know, lose out on some of the um, resources a more experienced professional or outside consultant can provide. Is there a way to take a blended approach to that, to use a little bit of the consultant with a little bit of the resources of the board? Have you seen that take place? I think that's probably something you negotiate with any particular candidate or outside consultant uh, candidate as an outside consultant you might be bringing in to help manage this process for you. I'm sure they've got the platinum package, right, where they'll 
do everything and mow your lawn. And then there's the <laughs> bronze package where it's sort of, uh, we'll run the initial process and we'll collect things for you and then hand it over and you guys run with it and, and everything in between. It's something you're going to be wanting to talk to those people about early on to, to set pricing and that and expectations. That's really good to know because then you can, as a board member, go in with negotiation tools and mm -hmm. knowing that it's not one or nothing and mm -hmm. that a consultant of a, a quality consultant should be able to provide you those different piecemeal options, Absolutely. knowing that there's risk and reward with each of those levels. Absolutely. And now, now every, not every search involves, um, another executive or your executive director going off happily to another organization on their own choosing. Sometimes <laughs> yes. the board right. is inviting that your, your executive director to leave. And, uh, sometimes you want to have somebody in place or really close to in place before that, that invitation was made. Right. So what's, what does the difference between a private search and a public search often look like? Oh yeah. Boy, that's a great question. I mean, it's so hard to do kind of a private search. Part of this depends on the size of the organization. If it's a really small organization where sort of everybody knows what everybody's doing, so to mm -hmm. speak, it's so hard to do that. Mm -hmm. If it's a larger organization, obviously you're going to have some, uh, uh, ways to, to do things, um, that's so not everybody in the office knows everything that's going on, but, um, it's going to be tough to, to most nonprofits I'm familiar with it. It would be really hard to be sort of conducting this search and not have the executive director necessarily know about it. I, it's a just smart executive director. They're probably looking. Well, and they might see the thing. They might see the writing <laughs> on the wall. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's a small world here in St. Louis. It's a small nonprofit community. So people talk, that's part of it. You know, just even like where are people going to be emailing or, or mailing their resumes to for this new position that your yeah. the current executive director is not going to be seeing it. But obviously organizations mm -hmm. get in these situations. It does come yeah. up and they have to deal with it. You know, the, the, the one thing I would hope is that they've got a really engaged, at least relatively experienced board member who can run all of that. Um, on behalf of the board, on behalf of the organization, without having to involve the current executive director, even some of the current staff, you know, do they have the capacity to accept resumes? Do they have the capacity to be talking to candidates? Do they have connections in the community that might be able to refer them to good candidates or people they can be talking to? I would really hope an organization that's looking to do that before there's some sort of uh, uh, tough parting with the current executive director. I would hope the organization has someone along those lines who can help them with that. You know, the thing that always concerns me whenever we get into the conversation, whether it's from the point of view of the candidate or the point of view of the board uh, or the current executive is I feel like the staff sometimes gets left out of the loop and Absolutely. You know, they're impacted by this, just not as much, if not more than the board, because they're in the operational tornado of every day. Yep. Right. And uh, whether it's a, a good parting or a bad parting, they're impacted. They love that person. They despise that person They're yep. You know, it, it doesn't matter because the, they they're in limbo. They're feeling like what's going next and what's going to happen and what's the future and what's the board going to say. And for some reason, there's several nonprofits that have set their board up to be like this. Uh, don't look behind the curtain, you know, type of, <laughs> so the staff's like, Ooh, the board, you know, right. Mufasa. Why? <laughs> uh, so they're, they're scared. And when this process takes place, this whole uncertainty, this discombobulation, I always feel like who's taking care of the staff? Like, mm -hmm. how do we make sure we take care of them? So, do you get the staff involved in the search process or are we thinking that, and if so, what, how do we get them involved? Is that appropriate? I, I just, I don't know, but I always feel like it's the staff that's left out. Yeah. 
I'm going to say a phrase you're going to be sick of hearing me say by the time <laughs> this is done and anyone listening to this is going to be sick of, but it, it really depends. <laughs> I mean, if it's... Uh, I think it might be reassuring actually to our mm-hmm. audience right. because they feel like there's always the right answer, the wrong answer. There, no, so. there isn't. It's so not a one-size-fits-all process. It's the character of the organization. It's the size of the staff. It's the mission. You know, is it a really unique mission and purpose of the organization or is it something that a lot of organizations are doing? All these things matter. In a perfect world, the board wants to involve the staff to the extent they can. That can be such a tricky thing because of the way uh, authority and, and direction should flow in an organization, a nonprofit. It's sort of that hourglass shape, the board or the staff rather up to the executive director and then executive director up to the board. You hate to see the board being kind of doing that end run around the executive director that can have all sorts of negative consequences. But I realize it has to happen. Um, if they can, they definitely want staff input. What I find the really tricky situation is whether the board thinks they're going to make that internal promotion or they're going to look externally mm. for the next candidate. Mm. Cause I find that's the real trick with staff. If you're not going to promote someone within and they sort of feel like maybe they should get promoted or at least they should be considered and you're not going to go that direction, you better be ready to explain why not in a way that they can hopefully understand and appreciate and still keep doing what they're doing. But it can almost be this domino effect. You could lose an executive director. Maybe you've got a director of development who feels like they should be in line for the position. You're not necessarily feeling that way as the board. You bring in an external candidate, then you lose your executive or your director of development. Then you're looking for that position. It can, it can domino in that way. So hopefully the board has a good reason that that person who feels like they got passed over, if they have a good discussion, if they have a professional discussion with a board member, they can understand why they weren't the right candidate at the right time to move in to that position. I find that to be the real trick in these types mm-hmm. of situations. You see that being really tricky a lot of times when a staff member is brought up as an interim mm-hmm. and then not given the ED job. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of times there there is that kind of like, well, I was doing this job and yep. I was doing it fine. And then you come here and, you know, right. and, right. you know, I, I, I've seen a, a lot of people who are in those positions be gone within the six month, next Absolutely. six months. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. there could be, you know, or maybe you get lucky. Maybe you have that person who's got a really demanding life outside the office at the moment for whatever reason and isn't ready to make that move to the executive director position. That could be 50 hours a week or something mm-hmm. like that. And they want to step in and help the organization and get that experience, put it on their resume, but then mm-hmm. step back to what they're doing. That's possible too. I realize that's probably less prevalent than the situation you're describing, but it could be the case. Mm-hmm. You could find someone who says, Hey, you know, my family life or whatever it is, is, or I'm in school part-time. I'm just not ready for this step, but I could do it as an interim. You know, hopefully there's that option out there, at least for some organizations, that would be a good, good situation to find yourself in. And I think that's a great, excuse, if you will, I use that word lightly, but also kind of tongue in cheek for for the succession plan. Mm -hmm. Because if you have that in place and you've engaged your staff, then, and if that, we talked about the vice president of development, for example, that would, the person that wanted that job, if you did your succession planning right, then that person already knows, yes, they uh, are someone who would be serving in this role. And here's the skills that we're developing and getting ready. The board's engaged in that conversation mm-hmm. or no, we're putting you as I'm having a succession plan in case something happens that you would serve as interim. But we've already had a conversation. We know you'd need A, B and C in order to even be considered. Mm-hmm. You've only got A and B at this point. So having a level of transparency with that mm-hmm. succession planning involving your staff in that can also help them develop some professional goals. I've done that before mm-hmm. with individuals who outside people are like, oh, this would be a person that you should promote totally. And I'm like, ha, ha, ha. 
I should, on theory, except for I've already talked to this person, that's not what they want. Mm -hmm. They actually really want to just be in this role. And uh, I've seen that with a marketing director before where all they really want to do is just work on their social media and they want to be able to work on the press releases, kind of be behind the scenes, not in a management role, not where they're managing people per se and the push, the push, to push. Hey, get them out there. We want them in this management role. And that's not what they want. Absolutely. And be the case knowing too. your people yeah. is, is huge. That's where that plan can come into play and help out a lot. I think. Absolutely. Yeah. So what are some, um, so what are some, so if I'm, let's kind of go back to the executive director, like when you're kind of trying to find that position and we're kind of back to that, um, you're the board's board nervous. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all hypothetical. Hypothetically, yeah. if there was one. Hypothetically, uh, if I was looking for a new job. Yeah, I know. I can just hear both of our board of directors <laughs> now calling us. You're not really going anywhere, are you? No, no. We were just talking hypothetically. I promise. I, mean, I only need a $100,000 raise. Yeah, <laughs> there so you cool. go. Um, but let's say, you know, so the, the board has posted the position in whatever way they are. Um, maybe I'm looking for a job. Is it better just to, like, send resumes out to everybody and everywhere and, like, or to, to really be you know, refined about that, like a, you know, targeted to very specific organizations. I think the targeted approach, I I would strongly encourage the targeted approach, right? Mm -hmm. Especially, you know, again, it depends a little bit on where you are in your career. Mm -hmm. Um, Are you just, do you just want to get that next executive director job because you want to get the next executive director job beyond that? Like Mm -hmm. if they're all just stepping stones, you're looking at it that way. Okay. That's one thing. Is it, you're accomplished in a, in a subsector of the nonprofit world. You're an experienced professional for that type of organization. And you're looking to either, uh, move up, uh, geographically or to a bigger budget organization or more pay along those lines. I think that's usually more often the case. You know, you're not just going to take any executive director Mm -hmm. job. Although, you know, if that's the demand, that's the demand. But I do think most people advance within a, a subsector or a, or a more um, discrete industry within the broader nonprofit world. And as such, they should really be targeting where they're mm-hmm. sending things, who they're contacting, where they're looking. Um, and, and their knowledge in that world is really going to serve them well. Yeah. So the search might be longer, but actually more productive in the long run. It could be. And, it, and it's also going to require patience because as, as you both know, you know, if, you, if you're willing to take any or apply for at least any executive director job, sure, those come mm-hmm. up relatively frequently. But sure. if you want to stay within the sort of field you've you've developed your own professional skills in or you find you, yourself interested in, you got to be patient. They're or probably, a set geographical area. Yeah, or right. a, yeah, a smaller, a relatively smaller market like St. Louis versus a Chicago or New York or something like that, too. There's just not going to be as many of those openings. So you're looking at a window. 18 months, two years, be realistic, be patient to be willing to kind of, um, look at it as a, as a longer, a longer journey. And I would definitely, uh, remind our searching candidates that, you know, tackiness, ethics, whatever you want to say, make sure that you're sending these from your personal email <gasps> and not the email of the current organization <laughs> right. you're representing. It sends a really tacky, yeah, maybe ethically not at three questionable o'clock in the message. afternoon on a work day when you were at your job. Yeah, maybe not. Stuff I mean, and yeah. I've even had executives go, but we only have two employees. And, you know, I, I no, mm-hmm. no, it's regardless if there's a policy yeah. or not to be able to use personal business for business. Just, just don't do it don't at seven o'clock it. at night when you're at home. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Cause yeah. I, I've seen that happen and ew. <laughs> that's, that's, just my, that's my uh, personal comment on that. No. Yeah. 
Well, I know that uh, we wanted to have a little fun today mm-hmm. as well, as we always do on the show. And I thought it might be fun, Marjorie, for you and I to think back of um, when we were applying for our executive director role. Mm-hmm. And how I'm much such a baby I did, how much we've learned. And if today we were writing a letter to ourselves as we were applying and beginning our search, what words of wisdom we might go back and share with ourselves that would help us along our journey. Mm. Uh, so, uh, Dan, I'm sure there's uh, all sorts of tips and tricks that you could give us along this way. But uh, I just thought. Between the two of us, I know that we've learned a lot and we continue to share that with our listeners, but anything in particular you might tell your, your former self, Hey, don't worry. It's all going to be okay. What information would you share? Um, I would say, dear Marjorie, um, please finish your masters. <laughs> um, and also yeah, maybe take some accounting and budgeting classes along oh. the way. Cause honestly, that was the piece that I didn't, you know, of all the things that I didn't know, I didn't know. That was the one thing that I didn't realize how much I didn't know, even though I'd taken some classes. So I think that was the one, like I felt like, I felt like that's the piece I've had to learn on the job more than any other, the other pieces. And then also maybe take some management classes. I mean, I really, I came into my AG job as like literally a baby. I was like 27. So I did not know. I didn't know so much. You're right. You don't even know what you don't know. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. So that's the scariest. Yeah. Always. You don't know what you don't know. I still find out. I still learn things, which is amazing. <laughs> but I, I, but in that respect, once you know, you can no longer not know. That's exactly. the right. worst part of that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> just, just pretend. No, it yeah. doesn't work anymore. That's what keeps you up at night. Can't claim ignorance anymore. Yeah. No, not, not anymore. anymore. Natalie, what about you? What would you write to? Oh, I would say, dear nonprofit ninja, <laughs> you are not as smart as you think you are. <laughs> because when you come into it, you think you know mm-hmm. everything, right? You're like, yeah, I totally got this. And then the first day brings you to your knees. Uh, <laughs> but I might also mention to myself that be patient with yourself. Because I feel like at the very beginning, I was very frustrated with, I don't understand why I can't just run, 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 run. You know, mm-hmm. and you have to remember that at every stage of your life, it's okay to crawl. It's mm-hmm. okay to acknowledge walking and it sure does feel good to run, but don't forget to take a breath. Mm-hmm. And I, I think pacing ourselves has been uh, the biggest struggle that I've had over my ED yeah. span of career. And uh, I constantly just have to remind myself, even though I know what the journey looks like, it's, it's tough because yeah. you want to go, you want to go quick. You can't fix it all, change it all, raise it all, all at once. No. <laughs> yeah. And you want to, and you can work 40, 50, 60 Dare I say, seventy hours a week? Yeah, yeah Dan made it funny earlier with the fifty-hour week I job. Was hilarious. I'd like to know where that job is and apply for yeah. it. Just kidding, for it. Just kidding. That was a joke. Uh, but it's absolutely right. You can do all that, but at the end of the day, if you're not resting your body, if you're not emotionally resting, you're going to wear yourself out, and then you're really no good to anyone, including yourself. And I'm the worst at that. Uh, I always tell my team, make sure you have work-life balance, make sure you flex your time so you can, and I've had it been thrown back in my face before by many colleagues saying, uh, who are you today? Are you the pot or the kettle? Right. Uh, and when I remind myself to do things simple, like eat lunch mm. and take a walk and, you know, management by walking around is beautiful. Not only do you get to see your colleagues, but you get the chance to actually walk around and get some energy. And mm-hmm. there's some value in, in doing those little things and, you know, going home in an hour that's quite decent and having a hobby outside of work. And right. So my letter would be something along that line. Of course, I would also have a doodle on the side of a little ninja. But other than that, that's, yeah. that's where I'm thinking I would go. <laughs> well, Dan, as, as we wrap up today, I know that uh, the Nonprofit Management and Leadership Program at 
um, UMSL is starting to have, uh, getting some classes going. Mm-hmm. Um, want to tell us about a couple of the ones that you've got coming up? So just real quickly, two things. We have an, we have an academic degree. It's a graduate level degree in nonprofit management leadership. It's a degree from the University of Missouri, St. Louis. Um, it's 18 credit hours. Uh, you can come from a whole host of different undergraduate backgrounds, professional backgrounds, and still pursue the graduate certificate in nonprofit management leadership. We accept people for admission into that academic degree program uh, in the spring and the fall. So I tell people, you know, if you think fall, you should be applying to us, talk to us, you know, June. And then for the spring, you know, if you want to start in January, you should be talking to us September, October, something like that. So we have that degree program um, that we offer all the time. On top of that, then we also have a calendar, a regular calendar of non-credit professional development classes. That's actually what I run and develop um, for the nonprofit um, program. Try to have probably two of those types of classes a month on different topics. Uh, I ask for feedback in existing or, or previous nonprofit, uh, I'm sorry, uh, non-credit classes uh, from the attendees at those to say, what, what do you want to know more about? What do you see out there in the, in the world that, um, is a hot topic, isn't covered enough, whatever the case may be. And I, I value that feedback at some of our classes helps me formulate some of the new classes we're going to have down the road. Or maybe there is something that's, that's timely in the news, you know, for example, um, uh, under the Obama administration, they were going to change the overtime regulations and mm-hmm. rules. Oh, yes. We still have a little PTSD from that experience. Yes. So, <laughs> right. So we had a class on a non-credit professional development class on what do the new overtime rules mean for nonprofits and all of that's changed again. And that's probably something we'll be tackling further down the road. So we do try to stay timely, um, along those lines as well. But I would suggest anyone who's interested in learning more either as a degree program or just uh, to keep your your um, axe sharpened, so to speak, for through professional development classes to look at our website. We have uh, all sorts of information on there about the degree program, but also we have a whole section dedicated to our non-credit professional development classes and, and what we've got coming up in the future. And frankly, if you want to know uh, more about a topic and you don't see somebody teaching a class on it, shoot me an email, send me something to say, Hey, are you going to have a class on this? Do you know another organization that might have a class on it? Because I'm happy to consider those ideas. I, in fact, I, I value them. And also I try to keep track of what other institutions, organizations that provide training are doing as well, because we can't do it all. And we want the nonprofit sector to be successful. So if it's not a class we're having or a topic we're covering, I'm happy to point people in another direction so they can maybe find um, a class or a topic they're looking to have uh, covered and learn more about. Nice. Fantastic. What's the best uh, number to reach you at, Dan? So my office is 314-516-6378. My email is SiceD, that's S-I-S-E-D, at umsel.edu. Those are the two best ways to get me. Awesome. What's the uh, website for then? So it's www.umsel.edu, and then it's the forward slash, I think it's called the forward slash. It's one of those two slashes, but I think it's forward slash uh, N. PML. So you just tack uh, the NPML on the end of the UMSL website and you'll, you'll get to our webpage within the UMSL uh, organization. Excellent. We'll make sure we get all that in the show notes for our listeners so they can find you and uh, seek out more information, whether they're local or across the country. We appreciate all of our listeners. And of course, we appreciate you having on the show. Happy to do it. Thank you for having me. And thank you to all of you for joining us on 501 Crossroads. 501 Crossroads is recorded at the studios of Mind's Eye Radio and is produced and hosted by me, Marjorie Moore. And me, Natalie Jablonski. Mike Curtis is our sound engineer. Please go to iTunes or Stitcher or your favorite app and subscribe and leave us some feedback. 
so others can find us. You can find us on Facebook at 501 Crossroads. Thank you for listening. And remember, we're all working towards the same outcomes.